Did that help you uh, remember your but God salvation moment? That's what we're here to do today is to remember that and to uh, give thanks at his table. We are uh, concluding this short little series called But God. We've looked at three places where that phrase uh, occurs. And it always changes things. Uh, When you see but God in a passage, you're moving from one thing that's going on to something else that God is doing. And it totally changes uh, the situation. And so on your study sheet, if you have one, there's a reminder of the three but God principles that we've seen in this series. The first principle was that people look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The second principle, in this world, we will experience evil, suffering, and tribulation. But God works in all of these situations to bring about what fulfills his good purpose for those who love him. And the third but God principle we've looked at Temptations of many kinds are all around us, enticing us towards sin. This presents a great struggle, but God is faithful. He is always present to help us resist and endure. So today we'll look at a fourth but God principle. Um, It will be from Ephesians 2, if you want to open your Bibles there, Ephesians 2. Chapter 2. First of all, I want to um, thank all of you who have gotten hold of me and, and said you would like us to continue going through other but God portions of Scripture uh, in the next year. I want you to know that those of you who have done that have put a lot of pressure on me. As I leave today for my personal planning retreat for next year, uh, you've really heightened the pressure. And uh, and so if you're one of those people who would like us to look at more of these but God uh, scriptures and, and see these important principles, you need to pray extra hard the next three days that God will say to me on my retreat, listen to those people. I'm speaking to you, Marlon, through those people. Okay, pray hard that uh, if God wants us, if it's his will, that we spend more time looking at these uh, but God principles that it'll become very clear to me in the next days. But today, the fourth to conclude this little uh, starter series. So let's, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to worship you through song. Thank you, Father, for the message of this last one that really brings us in to... Uh, what we want to think about this morning. Father, guide us. I pray that this would be a meaningful time for us, that you would take these scriptures and uh, let them prepare us to come to the table. But Father, we also know that there may be someone here who has not had this but God salvation moment. And uh, Father, they need you. They need to experience what your salvation is all about. 
and what you can do and want to do in a life. Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to them as well through the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The fourth but God principle is there on your sheet. Let me read it, and then we'll see where it comes from in Ephesians 2. The principle is this. Apart from God, people are dead in their sins, living lives that have no hope and will lead to eternal judgment. But God, by his grace, mercy, and love, is willing to save sinners and make them alive in Jesus Christ. That but God principle comes from Ephesians 2, as the Apostle Paul is writing to believers in the city of Ephesus. They are believers. Chapter 1, verse 1 tells us that. They are faithful saints in Jesus Christ. They know him. And so what he's doing in chapter 2 then is reminding them of something. Reminding them of their salvation. And here's how he does it. He begins by saying in verse 1 of chapter 2, and you were. So he wants them to remember what their situation was, what their condition was in the past. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. So Paul wants to remind the Ephesian Christians of what their situation was in the past, their condition. And he says, you were dead in sin. You were dead in your sins. You were spiritually dead. You were separated from God. You had no relationship with him. You were dead. Not sick and needing to be healed. Not drowning and needing a life preserver tossed out to you. He says, you were dead. And, of course, what does a dead person need? Life. Resurrection. He says, you were dead in your sin. We know that Paul said uh, to the Romans, the wages of sin is death. And so he reminds them, that was your condition. You were dead in sin. And when you were dead in sin, when sin was in control of your life, when you were living in sin, you were also living according to the way of the world. The world that is going exactly opposite of God. The world that is opposed to God. And he says, when you were dead in your sin, that's the way you lived. You were living according to the way of the world. But not only that, he says you were living according to the way of the devil, the prince of the power of the air. That sounds like the devil, doesn't it? You were living according to the way of the world, and you were living according to the way of of the devil. He is God's enemy. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. And you were living according to his way. That's what your life used to be like. Not only that, he says, and you were living according to your own fleshly desires. 
It was all about you. When you were dead in sin, you lived the way you wanted to live. Whatever your fleshly desires want, that's where you went. It's not a pretty picture, is it? But many of you sitting here today can remember it. Because you lived that terrible picture, that situation. Dead in sin, apart from God. Following the ways of the world. Following the ways of the devil. Following whatever your fleshly desires wanted. Paul says to the Ephesians, that was you. That was your condition. And to top it off, he says, in that condition... You were by nature, by your very nature, under wrath, under judgment, heading toward judgment. That was your situation. And if they were like many people today and and probably like many of us here, in that condition, there were times where we wished we could be out of that condition. We were seeing what it was doing to our lives And if we weren't seeing it, there were people who cared about it that were warning us what this was doing to our lives. And maybe we even tried things to change it. Maybe we even looked for ways to change our situation and make it better. And it just got worse because nothing worked, right? Nothing worked. That was the situation. Paul says, you were. But here we come. Verse 4. But God. That was your situation. That's what your life was like. It was terrible. But God. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast. But God. Remember, whenever you say, but God, that means the situation is going to be changed. God is going to step in. And that's what happens here. Ephesian Christians, that was your life. But God. But God came along. And he changed everything. God who is rich in mercy. Showed you mercy. God who has great love showed you love. God who has abundant grace showed you his grace. And he made you alive. That's what a dead person needs, isn't it? To be made alive. He made you alive. And he saved you. He changed you. He forgave you. He brought your salvation. And notice it was by grace, verse 8, his unconditional love and kindness. 
It was through faith. It wasn't about you and me. We didn't do anything to earn it. It wasn't by works. It was a gift. Gift of God. So that none of us could boast about our salvation. None of us could point to something we did to earn our salvation. It was by grace through faith. A gift from God. I only quoted the first half of that verse in Romans. The wages of sin is death. You know what the rest says? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Changes everything. Changes everything. But God. I was uh, listening to a preacher on the radio um, a couple weeks ago, and he was uh, presenting a message from Genesis about Noah. And he was talking about the ark. And he reminded us that the ark saved Noah and his family from judgment. They were safe in the ark. And as the wicked world was being judged, Noah and his family were saved from God's wrath, from judgment. And then he asked the question, what is our ark today? What is it that saves us from wrath, from judgment? And here's what he said. He said, the ark today is baptism. The ark today is the church. And then he added, the ark today is this church. Referring to his. Now, let me repeat what he said. The ark today that saves from judgment is baptism. The church, this church. Friends, the ark today, what saves us from judgment is not baptism, as wonderful as that is. It is not the church, and it is not this church. We are saved from judgment by God's grace through faith. It's a gift. It's not something we earned by our works. Jesus died to provide it. He shed his blood. And it's through his work on the cross in our place that we can be forgiven and that we can be saved from the wrath to come. Back in the time when we were at the first church we served, we, we met a young couple, and uh, 
one night we were at their house having supper, and we were having conversation, and and, and somehow uh, salvation came up in the conversation, and uh, I happened to bring up Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. By grace you are saved through faith, etc. And so I, I quoted those verses, and this young lady, her first response was, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. You see, she had studied for a while to be a nun at the convent in St. Cloud. And then she had left the convent and got married. And, uh, but she said, when I quoted Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that's not in the Bible. You're wrong. So I asked her to go get her Bible. And she brought it to the table. And I asked her to turn to Ephesians, because it was in her Bible, um, to find chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It was in her Bible. And I asked her if she would read it out loud at the table. And so she read it. And it was exactly what I had quoted. And it was in her Bible. And she got angry. She wasn't angry at me. She wasn't angry at what she had just read. She was angry because she said this. Why didn't they show me this? Why didn't they teach me this? I didn't even know this was here. And a few months later, she gave her life to Christ. And she and her husband have been serving Christ. Paul says, remember your condition. Remember what it was like. You were dead in sin. You, you were following the ways of this world. You were following the ways of the devil. You were following the ways of your fleshly desires. And because of that, you were by your very nature heading for wrath, for judgment. But God. Not but baptism. Not but the church. Not but this church, but God, who is rich in mercy, has great love. made his salvation possible. You can be saved from judgment. It's through Jesus. It's not of works. It's a gift. Believe. Seek that forgiveness. Commit your life to Jesus. And that's what the Ephesians had done. Paul's just reminding them of what had happened in their life, what they were, what God had done that they had responded to. And then he says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Some Bibles say masterpiece. Some say handiwork. For we are his workmanship. Who? Those who have been saved through faith by God's grace. Receive the gift of salvation. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're not saved by good works. We're saved to do good works. God has created us. He has made us new creations, Paul says in Second Corinthians.
If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. God has created us through Jesus, through his salvation, to be new kinds of people, united with Christ in salvation. Do you see how but God changes things so dramatically? From this terrible condition to being entirely new living creations, forgiven, saved from judgment. This is probably the number one but God that I think we'll find in Scripture. So as we think about coming to the table, today is a time to remember our but God salvation moment. Do you remember it? Some of you can remember the date, some of you can't. Some of you can remember the day, the place, some of you can't. But there was a but God salvation moment. If, if you know Jesus. And today's a day to remember that. Remember that but God salvation moment that took place in your life when God changed everything. My fellow Christians, I want you to, if you can, try to visualize where you would be, what you would be doing, who you would be today if it wasn't for that but God salvation moment. When by grace through faith, not of your doing, you receive the gift of God, salvation, forgiveness, hope, life. Can you kind of picture where you would be today? What you would be doing? who you would be, the kind of person you'd be, if that had not happened? For some, it's not a pretty picture. I would guess some of us would have to say, I probably wouldn't be here. And so today we come to remember that. We come to remember what God saved us from. Where our life would be if it hadn't been for his grace and his mercy and his love and Jesus' sacrifice. If you don't know Jesus, you haven't had that but God salvation moment. You are still living under the description in the first part of the chapter here in Ephesians 2. Dead in your sin, still enslaved to your sin, spiritually dead, living your life according to the way of the world, living your life according to, whether you admit it or not, the devil, God's enemy, living your life according to your own fleshly desires. It's all about you. Where's that going to take you? Well, Paul says, by nature... 
you are headed for wrath, for judgment. And maybe you've tried all kinds of things because you don't like where you're headed. And nothing has worked. You just keep heading the same way in your sin. Can I remind you? But God. But God is rich in mercy. But God has great love, unconditional. So much that he demonstrated it by sending his one and only son. And that Jesus went to the cross. And he went to the cross in your place. And your sins were laid on him. And he was judged for your sin. So that if you would receive it, you could be forgiven. And by God's grace, through faith, you could be saved. Become a new creation. And that could happen today. Today could be your but God salvation moment. I know there's some people here who point to a communion service where they surrender to Christ for salvation. It can happen. And maybe today could be your but God salvation moment. That you will always look back to this day, December 4th, 2022. That was the day that I repented of my sin and asked God for his forgiveness that Jesus provided through his death. That was the day that I, by faith, surrendered my life to Christ. That was the day he changed me. It could happen. And as we come to the table, it can happen to you right there at your table or at your seat. So let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. Lord, it's good to end this little series with this truth. That though people are dying in their sin, living lives totally apart from you, headed toward judgment, by your mercy and grace and love, you provided a way because of the work of Jesus to change everything. Thank you for this but God truth. And Father, as we come to the table, those of us who have responded to you by faith and received Jesus, uh, been forgiven, uh, seen what you've done in our lives and made us new, the changes that have taken place, the joy of walking with you. Father, let this be a wonderful time as we come to the table to remember and give thanks. And maybe even, Lord, to reaffirm our commitment to be all in with you, the one who saved us. Pray for those who don't know you. Maybe this is the time. Maybe this is the day. Father, let them know. Lead them to a time of surrender today to Jesus. A time of forgiveness. A time when you begin your work in their lives, giving them life, making them a new kind of person because of Jesus. Father, we commit this next time to you. Let it be very special in many ways. In Jesus' name.
Amen.